Hello, hello. Welcome back to the CTO Studio. I am, of course, your host, Nikolai Walker. Where else would I be? This is my favorite seat. We are joined today in studio by Matt Ferguson, who is a proud member of 7CTOs. Thank you, sir. He is also the CTO at Galley Solutions, and he's a tinkerer. And I am also a tinkerer. I've always loved taking things apart and seeing how they work, but he has outdone me. He has built a natural pond in his backyard, and I have to know, is the water clear or murky? And bonus... Bonus question, can I drink that water? I did, and it is full of plants right now. I, I, you can, you can uh, swim under the plants and uh, um, just see filtering of daylight. It's amazing. Completely clear, you can drink it. You can swim with the fishes and drink the water. It's pretty amazing. Can you catch the fish? Well, the kids catch the fish in nets all the time and put them back in. They're goldfish. I once had an idea for fresh fish vending. So basically a big barrel in the backyard and then you have constantly circulating water and then the fish swim in that and then you push a button and then it comes and falls in and then you have a fresh fish. Perfect. We have uh, fresh fish composting. It's for our garden. When If a fish dies, they... They go get planted by a pumpkin. Is my fresh fish vending machine idea as as terrible as most people find it in your mind? Or, well, I have uh, I spent time paying for college working in Alaska, and so I've I've worked on the slaughter line of a of a of a, of a fish processing plant before to pay for the first year of college, and I can tell you that uh, from experience. It's a pretty bloody, messy job, so I'm not sure how you contain the, uh, the, 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 the sloppy, yucky, smelly part of that. Post-slaughter post or pre-slaughter? <laughs> when the hammer comes down, man. <laughs> this definitely feels like one of those ideas that everyone's telling me is a bad idea. I should just go and do it and just try it. You know, a lot of folks are experimenting with permaculture. I can't say I'm a permaculturalist, but I've had a few people that have studied permaculture come see what we've set up. And they're like, oh, my God, we've always dreamed of this. I'm like, well, I don't know. This was just a couple side projects along the line. <laughs> but they're trying to convince me that I should hook up my new greenhouse to my pond and pump the water through it and uh, make this giant ecosystem, um, which might be fun. Yeah, that might be a lot of fun, but permaculture is a really, right, really neat, neat aspect of, uh, I think, future technology and the way to plan communities around, you know, um, sustainability. I think, I think it's fantastic, but a lot of resources go into making it possible up front. You know, you reap the benefits, but a lot of capital investment, right, to really make permaculture work. The purpose of permaculture being a closed ecosystem, right? Or some sort of ecosystem. Yeah, basically uh, uh, less inputs. So you're not adding fertilizer or you, you know, you're using all the waste products. Um, yeah, absolutely. So there's different, very, from what my friends have been teaching me, uh, a, a whole lot of varieties of, of how to implement it, but everything from I know people are very successful in just small, you know, they, they have 
small gardens that are plotted off and they rotate animals through behind the plants and immediately the next crop comes up but you know like the poop and the, the hooves and everything mixing things together and then you plant and then that's there for 90 days and then the next they move on so really simple fun you know experiments um like that down all the way to like water and fish you know and uh, aquaculture like we've been talking about but i have i have thirty thousand gallons of uh, permaculture going on out here right outside my little door here is the i do want to talk about that pond is did the 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 pond has uh some sort of liner right so that the water stays in the pond or or not we did, you know, the type of soil we have here in San Diego makes it necessary. You will just get a lot of evaporation. We don't have enough um, other materials, and we don't have enough natural water to make to make up for it. So, we have a forty-five mil um, um, liner, and it's the you know thickness of a mountain bike tire. That's uh, the size of the pond, so it's you know fifty feet by. I think it was forty by fifty. It weighed, when we brought it in, I think it weighed 800 pounds or 1,000 pounds on a big, it was on a giant roller. It took 10 guys to unfold it and to roll it out. And about the time we got it rolled out, it was in the, in the hot sun. And you, when you touched it, you'd instantly blister your fingers because you're, you know, you're trying to grab onto it. And it was so hot because that black uh, plastic rubber was just holding on to the heat i think that day you offloaded it was the day i was very busy and i, I couldn't come home i think you were really busy that day yeah you had the kids <laughs> i can't remember yeah was, i don't remember you being here no it's interesting how when you move you can remember the people who are not there it's always hard for me to remember who was there but it's very easy to remember who wasn't there well, you, we're, we live in two communities separated by a giant gorge, by a river gorge, right? I live like 10 miles from you, but it's 40 miles to get there. It feels like forever to get to your house. My kids are, my kids just are like, why? But if I, on, my, on my mountain bike ride, I can see your house on the very end of my mountain bike ride. I can look over there and say, oh, I think Etienne's right there. I can see across the canyon. Can you indulge me a little bit about the pond still, or do you want to move on? No, that's fine. What do you want to know? I want to I want to help the person who's listening to this who thought they were going to get a tech conversation to I just want to give them a little bit of a, a left field sort of topic which is and I'm I personally am fascinated by it so uh, I'm just going to trust It has been a a really fun learning process which is what it all is for me, right? Is learning new things. And we put our pond in three years ago. So, but, but just tell me, Matt, why did you decide to do it? I, I mean, I, we were th- we were going we were considering putting in a pool, right? Everybody needs to think about a pool if you live in East County, San Diego. And um, I started investigating that. And I love plants, and I love um, you know uh, nature, and so I started to look into the. Um, you know, swimming pond, as they call them, um, in Europe. Uh, and I said, oh, well, this is really interesting. You know, what are the options? And I love do-it-yourself things. 
I, you know, I think that's a lot of fun for the family. Um, I wanted something that would, you know, be in not just a pond or a pool, excuse me, that you'd go up, but we really just wanted a place after a long mountain bike ride, come jump in and cool off. You know, some, the water stays below 70 degrees, you know, well, around 70, even in the summer. So can you just plunge into this nine foot deep pond, get cool and, and come out? So it was like, okay, we wanted that. We also wanted to have this green lush backyard. Uh, we wanted to experience, you know, the, the fun of having some fish at the same time. And the fact that I could just rent an excavator on a weekend and dig and crater my entire backyard into a 10 foot deep by, uh, you know, 30 foot wide um, hole, you know, and, and not get thrown out by my community, uh, you know, it was a, it was a benefit. So I guess it's un not permitted. No, you know, it's just, uh, it's not a pond, you know, it's not a swimming pool. It's, uh, it's just a hole in the ground. Now, did you have close moments when you were digging that hole, uh, like life-threatening, tipping? Oh, yeah, for sure. It wouldn't, be a, it wouldn't be a project at the Ferguson household unless someone almost got electrocuted, you know, or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, so can you, I know it's three years now, but can you just walk me through the stages, uh, uh, like just a brief overview of what it takes to go from just a plain backyard to a lush, gorgeous swimming pool? Yeah, yeah. First, you send everybody out shopping, and then you spray paint the backyard when they're not looking. And you spray paint some lines, and you start imagining where the boundaries would be. You have to start thinking about, well, the shallow, the deep, where's the swimming section going to be versus the plant section. So you have lots of different zones and then figuring out, you know, you, you, the swimming section is very deep versus the plant section has to be, you know, more, no more than two or three feet deep. So and you need to make sure you have enough plant section to keep the water quality good versus the swimming section, which is not doing anything healthy. Right. Uh, as far as recycling water. Because you want, and then, and then, you know, so you, you really have to figure out, okay, well, what can I fit in my yard? And then there's a big oak tree, you know, how do I work around the roots? Because I don't want to damage that oak tree. And so now you start getting these imaginary shapes that are organic because you're working around organic things in your yard. Um, you know, and there's a walkway I want to keep over here. Okay, well, how do I work around all these things? And uh, that, uh, I think that was really the fun part too, is it got to be a shape that just fit uh, into our yard and the structures we already had. And we just dig out what we wanted. Okay, so then you rent the thingamajig. And Matt, what is that technical term? Uh, we rented an excavator, and which is, uh, you know, we rented a, kind of a mini excavator, but you know, a, a long, kind of like a backhoe, but you know, without the blade on the front or without the bucket on the front. But how do you how do you go ten feet deep with an excavator? Or an excavator is the you you, you drive in and t and drive out, right? Or do you have? To well, the excavator has an arm, so you gotta you gotta rent the excavator that's gonna go as the depth that you need. And so ten feet was the exact you know for a small excavator. That's it. It took me three days to dig it. 
Now, didn't you have any? Didn't you have any dangerous moments where you wanted to dig the ten feet and then your thing wanted to tip over? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean you're teetering on the very edge, trying to get that last foot, and you know your family's telling you that you're tipping, and you're like, yeah, I'm good, it's okay, you know. But you you know you have a lot of control in an excavator because you can push back, and you know the bucket's your your friend. It's a big thumb sticking out there. Um, but you do have to be careful. And yeah, and then all that dirt as you're taking the dirt out has to go somewhere. So you're, you know, it's becoming this giant mound behind you. So then you have to take a moment and go plow that, you know, where the dirt's going to go, which I had a place for planned 10 years ago. And so that built up my, my um, back driveway. Um, and it was quite the process because part of once you get that hole in the ground and you taper all the edges and you build um, everything, uh, you, you, you get everything ready, you've got to make everything smooth. You can't have rocks. You can't have you know, anything that's going to poke through that liner. It's all got to be smooth. So it's a lot of raking and just hand labor after you get that excavator out. Um, so pretty backbreaking. And then you know, making sure that your swim zone, which is going to be super deep, you know, is has a concrete uh, boundary in the down at the bottom as well. Okay, so there is a concrete boundary only in the deepest area. Yeah, just to hold back the wall because it's a vertical wall down there. It's not a nice. So you, the the pond slopes in, and then it comes to a deep zone, which is the swimming zone. And then around that deep zone, you build up another layer of walls, which are retaining block. But that's after you put in the liner. So you put the liner in. And then on top of the liner, you add walls, a retaining block, and behind that you can fill in with gravel. And in that gravel, you put four-inch um, drain pipe that uh, is going to circulate water for you. And so in the, in the lower levels of the gravel is a four-inch drain pipe, perforated drain pipe, that runs serpentine everywhere. And then over that, you put more gravel. Over that, you put felt and, and then more gravel. And then you, in every corner of the pond's deep zone, we put these air stones uh, that are run off a little tiny air compressor in my shop. And it doesn't, you don't hear it. There's no noise. There's no big you know, water pump going on. All there is is a, an air stone in every corner with, uh, that, that, that links to the um, drain pipe and that just like in an aquarium if your kids aquarium or if you're into aquariums when you have bubbles rising in a column they lift water and so they create a hydraulic pump that pulls water out of the drain pipe which is in the gravel and so that gravel's clean gravel it never has plants in it it's under a barrier of felt and there's all the good bacteria in there and that's where all of the magic is happening and you're constantly circulating water through that gra gravel, that rough gravel with lots of corners where microbes can live. And that's like, you know, the, the cheap way versus some high-tech fabric or high-tech, you know, medium to create a place for good bacteria to grow. That is um, really important to keep that water circulating. So we run four air stones about the size of a baseball. And, you know, they're just like an air stone, a little tiny one you'd have in a little aquarium, a little bigger, 
and they run in each corner and you just see bubbles coming up because there's a pipe that ends right there and a, col and a column and it's turning thousands of gallons of water over a day through that rough gravel uh, so you don't get any mosquitoes it's a pond but because the water is always circulating there's no place for mosquito larva because it's not stagnant water so we don't have those kind of issues and it probably costs you know pennies a day to run uh, to have the pond because we're not running big pumps even though we have some waterfalls and we did things things later they're not necessary they're just there for fun but we swim out there every day I mean just to jump in every day uh, you know in the afternoon just like anybody uses their pool um, except we jump in and you know you can go underwater and and look at fish um, we've got plants growing on the very bottom now in the deep zone so we have plants that are eight feet tall they're coming up from the bottom they're just amazing and we you know we started them with one little plant this this big and now there are these giant eelgrass that you can swim amongst and you watch the fish it's like it's like a Jacques Cousteau show in my backyard that's insane Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO studio, and thank you to our guest, Matt Ferguson. He is a CTO at Galley Solutions and a fellow tinkerer, just like I am, sir. My hat is off to you. We will see you next time with another interview with him. And if you are enjoying anything you're listening to, just do a few things for us if you would not mind. One is go check out 7CTOs.com. Two, go check out Matt Ferguson's LinkedIn. And three, subscribe to the podcast here in iTunes. We will see you next time.